Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right, you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Up there right now, we have some Thick Boy Season merchandise. We've got some Hus Hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's t-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like. And that's no better way to start the A7FL 3-on-1 podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, as always, Matt Ryan. And joining us, as always, on the pod, you already know who that voice was. It's my quarterback, Corey Hammond. And protecting the line, whether at the club or on the field, you know him as Bachata Bob. I know him as multiple-time A7FL champion. And the third of this triple threat, big Rob Fabian. But boys, we have guests. We had to talk a little business every quarter. The A7FL podcast division gets together and we find new and interesting ways to motherfuck one another. So after that, during that planning meeting, I'm like, why aren't we just recording this as a podcast? So I said, fuck it. I'm the executive producer of this show, which means I'm technically in charge. So that means... Casey Cox and Derek Duncan from the other side of the ball are joining us here on the Potting Cast. Guys, welcome to the A Show. Bro, great intro. Oh, oh. <laughs> did you guys, did you guys bring your swimmies? This is water on the three-on-one, boys. Yeah. All right, well, I, I've got my nose plugs. Does that count? That that counts. Yes, that counts. <laughs> Some some of my takes do stink, so I, that, that'll, that'll go both ways. That's a double entendre there. <laughs> Love Casey, it, Casey. Welcome to the show. What I'm going to say is, is we got to hear more from you, buddy. So I'm going to test you today. All right, sounds good. Let's go. So I'm gonna lay out and listen. Um, that's, that's what I do every week, man. That's what I do every week. Rob, you and I both know you're going to struggle just as much as I do to keep yourself quiet hundred <laughs> times. Already but since I'm on, you're only going to be able to, uh, you know, get the 10-minute the streak once or twice because I get that 20-minute kill streak in. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no there's no better show killer. Maybe Greg Cody, but here's Corey Hammond, and you already know. Oh. I just happened to be on with you guys again, and there's the groan. I'm so glad. This you know, is great. You know what was coming. You know what was coming. <laughs> so. Get them out early, big grub. <laughs> At the end of our show last week, Big Rob asked a question. And, Corey, if you can remind the listeners of what that question was, that would be awesome. Well, we kind of just went into it and almost, uh, you know, as we organically do at times, into a tangent discussion that we then just later tabled because, speaking of the table, Big Rob Fabian was here to say, you know what? I got a counterpoint to you, Corey, and let's save that for later. So we, we put a pin in it, and what I started to say, Rob, and then you jump in when you're ready, um, you know, listeners at home, get ready for, uh, get comfortable, it's about to be 20 minutes likely, um, but what I was saying is, is that although Ryan Shamar, in his time as a leader and a manager of the talent for the Patterson U, has somewhat reinvented what they've been over their dynasty, my argument was that I think that what BIC, led by Ken Stansbury and Carl Meisner, have done, and we mentioned Ken Stansbury because he's a, he's a, a lot more involved in the you know the the day to day nitty gritty grind of you know player evaluation management and 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 ac- uh, acquisition for BIC. But I what I said there was all that gas baggery. But what I said is that. I think what Kenny Stansberry did in completely rebuilding BIC from championship to championship, because as Rob would know, as a champion on the 2016 team, the most recent champion from, from BIC's last year's squad, 
it's basically a whole new roster except for Courage Mosey and and Quan the linebacker and Bullet the corner. It's really all new faces and names, and to be able to do that as quickly as they did, to me, was more impressive than the the tweaks that Ryan Shamar has been doing to keep the U on top, but basically repeating year in, year out, knowing who that core is. And that's where I had a very, very passionate disagreement with what you said, because I'm very tied into both of those organizations in the sense that BIC's first championship, I was part of that. And the U's most recent championship win, I was part of that. So, and then I defeated my former team in winning that championship. And I broadcast, you know, I was an announcer for the most recent championship again, where both of my former teams were playing. So I, I don't necessarily agree that what BIC did was more impressive because you have to look at it in the sense of heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? In order to stay on top for as long as the U did, it was a little bit more than tweaks and, and you know, it, it was a lot more than like people think that went in there because you got to think about it. The U, formerly known as Rec- um, Wrecking Crew, right? Yep. They were dominant in, let's call it three phases, in all three phases of A7. The Town Beef era, they were dominant. The HD era where the cameras were really good, they were dominant. And now um, post-COVID, they were still dominant. They're still a team to contend with. While BIC in, you know, I was part of that Town Beef era, we sucked. HD era, we were a highlight reel. Middle of that decade, which sounds insane, we won a championship. And we fell off before, you know, after the championship, BIC wasn't really important. 2017, we sucked. 2018, we sucked. 2019, we sucked. 2020, we sucked. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's four years of sucking before actually getting back into some type of prominence before, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's like the you never had an opportunity to suck. Don't get me wrong now. They, well, there they, was those years in between. I, I, I specifically remember that. Go ahead. Yeah, and I didn't pause you. I think all the viewers and listeners know at home that there was plenty of pausing to do when you were talking about what, what BIC was doing for those four years. Um, we are a sex positive podcast. Stop. No, no, no. I was on. I was. I was on the. I was on the team for two of those years where we sucked. So I'm not bashing BIC. I was part of the 2017 team that sucked. Me and you together, Corey, were part of the 2018 team that sucked. You get what I I'm was saying? 2017 so too. But we, and, the, and when the I came into the, the league, teams were five and three in the regular season. We just didn't repeat. And, no, but that's that's not a good look for a dominant team like us. But what about the U? What about the U in those off years where there was the Immortals when you, your first year, but then going the year before when it was the Chiefs, and then the BIC year? What about those years where they had the lull? They were they were in the same right you know, now, top of the league, but they, they didn't where, get it done those couple that's years. Where I agree, but they always made it farther than BIC did. And I'm not I'm not one that can't, okay, you guys made it to the final four of the the championship and lost. You guys still suck, right? But the way it looks, it, it took a lot more. It took. I feel like Ryan Ryan Shamar keeping those guys at the very top, keeping them at contention, and then losing to a guy like Bulls. Like they, the the U took some losses. Now let's not let's not even act like it. But who did the U take a lot? Like the biggest loss to the Immortals. Same with BIC. BIC took out. BIC was getting their ass whooped by the Immortals. Yeah, we got we we, we, yeah, we got, got shut out. But what about this this part of the point? Because I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think what the U was able to do and staying as consistently close to the top is amazing. But my argument more was tied to the personnel, right? The, the wrecking crew, the early Patterson U where it was Marcus McKinney hardbody doing backflips. You know, that was that was 60 pounds ago for Marcus McKinney. No offense to my guy. <laughs> <laughs> but the nickname Hardbody is because we love him so much. Um, but so so th- that group, that core has been the same from Wrecking Crew 
And, and there was a shift to the early U when, when Huff started to play quarterback. And I think that's when they started to reach the mountaintop. And, and because he is the greatest quarterback in the history of this league, as we're talking today, November 30th, 2022. But my argument was more on the fact that what BIC did is the, it's really the first organization to win a championship basically fold into a team that didn't really mean that much and then figure out a way to build themselves back up. Now we talk about it a lot on previous, previous uh, pods guys that the last three, you know, brand new rookies of the year players in this league were all on BIC. And that's the new cornerstone of a team that Rob and I would agree Rob has predicted, at least for the next two years, this is Terry Codrington, a.k.a. BIC's. 100%. Right? 100%. So my my argument was, is that not that what the U and all of what the U has done to the rest of the league, to me personally, over and over again, um, the what the U's done has been amazing. But I think as far as Ryan Shamar's role in it, yes, he's got a lot of, like, you know, Phil Jackson-esque type of zen getting his players' egos in line type of work that he has to do. But it's really easy when you have a triangle of Quattro, Huff, Moon, and then just pick one of the defensive players. I'll say just Dot Boss because he's just been there, a fixture there for so long. But you could go all over their entire defense and even mention guys like J-Rock who has you know moved more into – the the special playmaker role but is still a guy that when you talk about defense in the a7fl he's one of the top names or you're insane so that core group of the u is the same in both of their dynastic runs bic completely reset and rebuilt which to me in this league a it's never been done before not that what the u has done has been precedent either but what BIC's done has never been done before. We've had a lot of championship teams and rosters. I've never seen a team win a championship, completely rebuild with new faces, and then make it back. So, so let me let me give you, and I want I want you guys on the panel to chime in. This is just a regular sports question, right? What do you guys think is harder as someone who runs a team? Getting a team with a bunch of old veteran egotistical guys who've won championships, have done it their way with all types of attitudes and egos to check. Is that harder than dealing with a brand new team that can literally be molded how you want to mold them? I I, I mean, KC, what, what you got for me? I mean, I think, in my opinion, I'd want the team that I could mold the way I want to, I want to mold them. I think that would be easier to deal with. Okay, one for one for BIC being easier. Um, what you got for me, Derek? Well, as an old head myself, I know that as a, a veteran of, of a league, and when you're running with veteran guys, when you have veteran leadership, veterans will also fall in line. And when you've got stars that you know you can fill into a role, and you remove all the question marks, and those guys can perform at a high level every single day, and they're not taking days off and taking it for granted, like a guy like Ryan can motivate his guys to do. I think the U is in a better position to, and proven by Ryan saying he had an off year and they only lose the championship by two points. It, great, great effing point. I don't even want to curse right now. Great effing point. Matt, what you think? So there's a lot of questions that you have to answer before you can answer that question. Because if this was 2021, I would say I'd rather have the U. But when you look at the progress, because you're, you're, for a certain degree, there are a lot of new players on the BIC, especially defensively. But that 2021 team was a younger team. They had Sterry Codrington in his first season, converting from back to quarterback for the first time since high school after playing primarily defensive back and having the season he had. And then you had Ashante Worthy in his second season after winning Rookie of the Year on the path to almost winning the MVP a season, a season ago. I feel like I'd rather have the BIC if, this, if we're looking at the questions we have now. I'd rather have the team that has some seasoning 
because the veteran player argument, you can say it's like the over-the-hill gang Redskins or the Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, Carl Malone Lakers. It's about the consistency of the leadership and the will. And you talk about, play, you know, egos. That you have a lot of players who believe that they own this league and they've shown that by being in the championship game every year since 2019. They fell short in 2019. They came back and won the Sailors tournament, the back in motion tournament in 2020. 2021, they cooked the entire league. 2022 was where we saw the breakdown, and whether it was Ryan Shamar not being able to handle the egos and do the job he did very well the last few seasons. I thought you were going to say not able to parent, but I guess that's a different story. Uh, you know, Stone, wow. Stone's glass houses. I have no kids. You know you you have to play him this season. He's not going to forget anything. I, I, I let it go the first time. I let it go the first time, but when he, we brought it back up at the second time, I just couldn't do it. Sorry, Ryan. I, we have to bet going anyway. And, and I was I lose, really, not only do I lose, but they're going to dump E and J on really, I just I just can't. It just baffles me that you really don't think that's a real thing. Every, every good player in this league, in, in New Jersey anyway, I can speak for them. I had a kid around at the same time they did. We all fell off the year we had a kid. Our first kid ever, we all fell off. Every single one of us. Me, Ron, Big Mo, we all fell off the first year we had a kid. I, I'm sorry. That's just how it is. I know yeah. you don't believe it, Corey, because well, you've been a pro parent it, since you were 12. To fit, yes. But, to fit the jokes yeah. of the show, I have 9,000. It's I have no room for someone saying that it affected them, especially when they were on that team that he was responsible for was only two points away. And I wouldn't argue that anything that Ryan Shamar had to do with was the issue. I was about I don't, to Ryan Shamar is a better blocker than we give him credit for. And he was just, he was just scared to get out there. I know that's not the case. So that had nothing to do. You know, never mind. Anyway. Before Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond, my point, um, it's because the players took a step back. Ryan Tremar's cov like it goes down to coaching or leadership of the team mattered a a a, a, a decent amount. I don't want to minimize it, but yes, it matters a lot. To be clear, Sorry. yeah. But the offensive line let Quatrell Huffin down to the point where he got sacked on the games of the week, and we'll bring this up. Every single time we have to between now and 2023, they got Quattrell Huffin sacked more than Mark Bagway and Sterry Codrington did in all of their games of the week com appearances combined. And I think OG Buck as well. Yeah. But also, also remember, guys, some of the reason that was is because as a play caller, whether it was Huff or we go with what OG Buck says and it's some random ghost that's on the sideline, it might even be corporeal Corey Hammond or non-corporeal Corey Hammond that's calling the plays, according to OG Buck. But when Huff was calling those plays in those games, the, the percentage of pass versus run, it was very unbalanced. It was close to like 80-20, it felt like. Now, if you really break down, it's probably... You know. Corey, Corey, he played like that the year before and won a chip. I know, but when, when they went back to the, the more balanced type of offense in the playoffs, which Ryan Shamar admitted on our show, when the U went back to the U formula, there was a lot less pressure on Huff because what a, a team can do when you know it's a pass play or that uh, a, a team starts getting into that you know pass-happy type of mode you know, Derek knows as a defensive lineman. KC knows as, as a guy who, you know, is just watching the, the, the line of scrimmage all the time and, and, and getting excited about it. But when the defensive line knows it's a pass or they're pretty sure it's a pass, they're going to rush a lot different than when they have to think about tackling a guy 100%. like E-Train or Ice Cream. So I think that although the offensive line did at times let Huff down, I think part of that is that play calling – got away from what they were most effective doing because I think last year that they were so good and, and dominated so many of their opponents that they've got into some bad habits at the top, which is one of those reasons why in the previous argument, that's why it's hard to stay at the top. So, I mean, 
you know, bad, bad habits or good blockers. Let, let's just be real. When, when they, last well, I mean, you're the one. You're the one, I, Rob. Yeah, me, we're basically me, talking about. So me, yes, yes, okay, me. I so was yes, there, a great blocker. One of the greatest pieces of NFL history know, is no longer yeah. there. But to look, play against know, the non-ass teams. But you know, yeah, facts. I don't play against ass teams. But you know, Corey, because I blocked for you. You know what I can bring to an offensive line. You get what I'm saying? It's not, and I'm not tooting my own horn in that sense, but there, there's some liberties my quarterbacks were afforded that other quarterbacks won't be afforded. So, yes, Huff was able to do a little bit more with me in front of him than not. You get what I'm saying? But at the same yeah. time, if if – if, if Ryan gets to focus 100% on what he knows the team needs, he can get an extra lineman. It's not like they couldn't have. They could have got one more good guy up there to block. Nobody was expecting Girardi. Girardi doesn't show up, and we're not even talking well, and about now, that. And now now we're, we're that season's done, so whatever the excuse was or the reasons or, or the, the children, right? Right. Now, right, we're, now we're, we're, we got a fresh start. You know, really nothing matters other than no, no, for right. just – but you, you see know, what but, my original question was, right? So which, let's go back to that, right? No, so no, the what does Ryan have, have to do now Pete, to Pete, get the back on the balance? The bad. question I asked right before this tangent here was which team would be easier to deal with? And everyone damn near unanimously said a BIC team with a bunch of young guys coming into this shit for the first time, young, talented guys, but that, that, that can, you know, Kenny is molding those guys into champions. But he, what did Kenny do? That. What did Kenny do that Ryan Shamar is basically is what we're saying Ryan Shamar has to start doing now. But Ryan, Ryan Shamar, but here's, here's the thing. Kenny had to do it. Ryan Shamar doesn't have to do what Kenny did. They, they're not even on the same path. Ryan Shamar has a, has a harder job keeping stars and egos in check because li- you got to list the team on paper. No one should beat the U on paper. But if what we're saying is the issue with the U, and we were just talking about it, is they they lose a legacy type offensive lineman to retirement in Rob Big Rob Fabian. What you what you need to then do is go out and recruit the fresh new blood to 100%. start to turn that over. And what I'm saying is is that where BIC is now is obviously a better place in my opinion because they're younger and these guys just won a championship, so now they have the experience and the youth. But what I what my point was is that what Kenny Stansberry did to find those guys, turn over the roster, and go from championship, you know, lose all those guys, new faces in the league that we 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 aren't you know snow tribing. We're not taking guys that have succeeded here and here, plugging them into an equation, plugging up some few holes, and now the snow tribe has you know a little bit more of a deep threat at wide receiver, a quarterback that can call plays and hand the ball off without fumbling hopefully and 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 defensive backs that can cover right so so that's not what bic did what they said is like all right everybody but courage later some of you uh some of you role players come back earn your playing time where's my new guys and then we saw guys like ashanti worthy sterry codrington and and Verardi, who are now the faces of the league and and if the u is able to do that then ryan shamar has it in the bag because he's done both that was just what my argument was is because if if ryan shamar is going to be able to keep the u on top and and get back to that mountaintop what he's going to have to pull is a kenny stansbury and those holes we're talking about that we saw start to show in the armor of the u He's going to start having to plug them in with not, you know, retreads, but brand new talent, which is why I think BIC is in a great position. See, but I don't think your original point was who's in a better position because you actually started this with with saying that one of the things I which said is the, which was the better which was which is the better management job is what I was saying. I said Kenny from Kenny from, from from championship to championship. We're talking about from the right. beginning to right now. I don't think it's BIC. I still think if you look at it in totality, it has to be the you. But if you're going to cut it down to the last two, three seasons, 100%, it's it's a toss-up, but it has to go to BIC. It I, has to. I think because, this, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. I think this is a question we can answer after the 10th season of the A7FL. If we give the sample size of three years from 2019 to 2021, which was the U's basically win, their window, and you give the BIC the same window. 
I think you can look at things a little more pragmatically or you can do after this season because if you don't want to count the 2020 tournament and you only want to count, let's say, 2019 and 2021, both teams in the first year, well, or 20, yeah, 2021 and 2022 and 2019 and 2021. In 2019, the U lost in the championship game. 2021, the BIC lost in the championship game. The next year, they came back and they won it and they dominated and were undefeated. So after this season, I think you'll get a lot clearer of a picture, but you need you need to see three seasons of of the BIC constructed the way it is because we gave the U that same window and they dominated in that window. Agreed. You want to hear a hot take, Matt? Yes. And I'm pretty sure Corey, Corey, just remember the timestamp to make sure you bring this back up when, if it happens or if it doesn't happen. You ready for this hot take? Yeah. BIC just won one. I feel like BIC is guaranteed the next two. Okay, you guys are with me. Mm-hmm. Yep. If Florida does what they're supposed to do, Florida will be the first team to either beat or dethrone BIC for a chance to win the championship. Follow me now. Yep. Two years, two seasons after Florida keeps their dominance, Derek's hard work in Las Vegas will start to shine because now Derek is is pretty equipped with veterans of the league who have played it for a decent amount of time and actually understand how this game goes. And after those two years of Florida dominance with BIC and New Jersey still fighting, I think Vegas has a championship. Stamp it. Wow. Well, we still got Kate, I, I Kate gotta, yeah. on the line. So. I, I, I want De- no. I want Derek's reaction to that, what Rob just said, uh, Derek, then yeah, Casey. Derek's, Derek's out. Oh wow! So KC, we what's your what's your take on that? My take on that would be, I would have to disagree with Rob on that, just because I've seen a little bit of what we're doing in Vegas. I've seen what we're building, um, and I think this fall you'll be surprised with what you see as well, um, with what we've got going on with the fall season. Um, I honestly could see it being Vegas contending with like a BIC to try to dethrone BIC. Now, do they dethrone BIC? Not sure. Can't say for sure. Probably not. But who knows? Any given Sunday, right? So we'll just say that. But then if they don't the first year, they come back and they do it that second year. I mean, I think it's it's Vegas in the position that Rob is putting Florida in. I I just... Yes, yeah, so that, that's where we're going to probably have a little bit of a disagreement, and and yeah. maybe rightfully so, Casey, because you're coming on, and again, one, you know, thanks for coming on again. Once you know, just to, to rehash that, um, you know, I'm getting into the pleasantries because then you know what is likely to happen next, and I won't be as bad as I was with Buck, but obviously you're a little biased. You're 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 there. You're witnessing Vegas. Um, you kind of, as as well as the Vegas division, you were new to this league, and you're starting to catch up on everything that's happening. You know, the the fall season and the jamboree and all of the attention that Vegas is getting, as I think, is going to build them up. But what I think we're all missing is, is you know, when we're talking about what's happening next year, Casey, what we're talking about is the fact that, what we saw last year, the best team from Vegas in the force versus BIC, the best team in the league, also New Jersey. What we saw in that game, there was a lot of, there was a lot more separation than it sounds like I think we're giving it credit to because it wasn't just that the force didn't know how to play the game as well as BIC. I just watched a lot of the highlights from that game because Sterry Codrington's, uh, you know, MVP reel came over my Reddit feed and he's a great player. So I kind of got distracted, but the athleticism from just the quarterback position from BIC was so overwhelming for the defense for Vegas. It looked like there was nothing. Any of the seven guys on the defensive side of the ball, a, a side of the ball that Curtis Jones said was the, the the lead side for the best team in Vegas. So what we're saying, Casey, and you can disagree with us, is that Vegas needs to do a lot more than just learn the game. And what we hope we we hear from 
you know, your, your podcast and the other side of the ball with all of these coaches that have all of these schemes and everything, what they realize is that the seven on seven is not as scheme heavy as it is talent heavy. Because what it emphasizes is the one-on-one matchup, whether it's the defensive end versus the offensive lineman, whether it's the cornerback versus the wide receiver, or it's the quarterback in open field against linebackers and safety types trying to catch them. It emphasizes the one-on-one matchup. And although you guys have Trey Robinson, you know, he's 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 been asking for a little bit of attention and, and the spotlight. Rob, shut it off. I'll, I'll just turn on a little nightlight for him. And we have RTC and Pac-Man Jones, guys we've seen from the force. But there's a lot bigger of a gap, I think, in talent level from where BIC is to where e- any of the elite guys in the Vegas division are. So what are you seeing that's going to change that that quickly, Casey? Or are you more on the side of that the alignment in, you know, where we're hypothetically getting West versus East is going to allow for the West to kind of, you know, get comfortable playing each other. And then, like you said, it's any given Sunday when whoever comes out of the East faces whoever just made it through an easier West. Sorry, I had to unmute myself there. <laughs> so, um, but I just, I think it, the way um, Vegas is going to start getting eyes on that division, uh, the first year there wasn't a lot of eyes on us, by my understanding, until Jamboree. Uh, Jamboree is where they ended up with almost 90 players to choose from for the teams that they had or whatever, 90 people that were interested. Um, and that has just grown even more. Um, this Jamboree now with last Jamboree, they went in with three teams. They went in with the Insomniacs, the Force, the Pit Bosses. That was it. This year, we've got five additional teams we're bringing into the Jamboree. Um, we all have the feeling that our output from crowd, the crowd coming in and seeing it is going to be bigger than it was last year. Um, people that are playing in these other leagues that may have started to kind of hear about the A7FL, this is going to be their chance to actually come out and see it um, and see it put on in a way that it's never been really done over on the West coast anyway before. Um, And that is going to bring in more players that are interested, more talent that's interested. And we're eventually going to have two or three years. We're going to have just in people in Las Vegas and talent that we have at our disposal, I think is going to be in comparison to where, uh, florida will be with their talent if they dip into what they have at their disposal there's a lot of talent out in vegas that i've started to see that is overlooked um by all the other levels that are actually starting to get interest into the a7fl because of the type of football it is well chris chris vera the commissioner uh and 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 a new co-host with you guys over there it's funny. He he gets ready to start with maybe a hot take and he wants to come at us and then you guys get sidetracked. But it sounds like him and and maybe some of your guys over there um you're you're a little upset with the type of coverage that Vegas is getting. And in, in all fairness, we're we're, you know, myself, Matt, you know, especially Rob who I know is always the nicest to Vegas specifically. Um, we're we're doing the best that we can to to break down as honestly and accurately as we can what we've seen. And to be fair, Casey, you've seen a lot more. So specifically talking to Chris Vera, him and, and, and I'm quoting here. And again, I, I always paraphrase to make it sound worse to make it you know a little bit more inflammatory, but that he's not really happy with the with the type of shade that he feels that the division is getting from us specifically and and the east in general what would you say is the issue with our coverage and what we're saying and what aren't we getting right about the Vegas division that we could you know now that we're on the national show we could just clear up so that we don't keep getting it wrong well i i think the main thing that is gotten wrong is the depth of talent that Vegas actually has and that Nevada actually has at its disposal. Um, They are a small state, so they're looked at as, you know, they don't have, there's no way they have the talent that Florida has. 
and no, they don't have the population that Florida has, but I think the talent overall, when you go to looking at talent and people that'll play this game, I think there's not that big of a separation. Um, everybody seems to think that there's going to be a huge separation in talent levels between Florida and Nevada in two or three years. I don't see it being that way because there is a lot of talent out there. Um, I know coaches are going and talking to certain uh, players in other places that are playing on other teams for whether it's in other leagues, whether it's college, whatever it may be. They're going out and they're talking to these people that might play on practice squads for say a college team and saying, Hey, look, we got this over here too that in the off season you can do to keep yourself in shape as well. And that just, brings even more talent into the talent pool it's that that d1 talent that may be being overlooked um that may have that potential to be a star they're going to be able to come out in vegas and they're going to be able to show that well so, I, to be fair and, and let me I'll, I'll let you guys talk i know i never do but I, I promise um and to be fair we did see and we heard from devon gray uh, a for a for a florida guy that from year one to year two, there was an infusion of new talent, new guys, you know, higher levels of, of guys on each team. So I think that we could expect that from from Vegas. But but KC, would would you would you agree that the Vegas Force were the class of the West last year? I would I would totally agree with that they were. Um, and I mean, and we're not we're not we're we're not. You know, unfortunate that we didn't get to see an zero and six Insomniacs or <laughs> a three and four Pit Bosses because you know, even though we hear from those teams and, and guys involved with those organizations and how good they are or how great they're going to be next year, we would we're not missing anything by saying that that those teams aren't on the same level as BIC and we just weren't able to see them. Right? I wouldn't say you were wrong with that. And, and I only say that because the pit bosses last year, they had a lot of what looked like organizational issues. Um, there were games where they literally, I mean, they've, they've said it, Bartley said it, there were games where they had six or seven players on the field and that was all they had. They didn't have anybody on the bench. They, but is that a team that can compete at the and, highest level in the A7 and they still, Well, and, that, and that's what I was getting at. That's not a team that can perform at the highest level of the A7FL, but the fact that they went three and four like they did with as little organization as they had because of the things that had happened. Does that speak at, to the level of talent on the pit bosses or potentially the 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 dis you know proportionate level of talent in the in the Vegas division compared to some of these other divisions? Well, well, it wouldn't. It wasn't even only. It wasn't even really the debate. The only game they really had an issue with how many people they had in the Vegas Division games was when they played the Force. I think they went into that game with nine players, and the Force only beat them by six. Well, I think it was twenty-five to thirteen. They keep talking about because they keep. They. I only remember that it because might have been Trey Robinson said it on your guys' air on the Thanksgiving episode, and he was bragging I that thought, they held the force to twenty-five. But all right, so, was, so was, what, I'm, either, what I'm getting it was at is either and twenty-five and to nineteen or twenty-five to thirteen. But it, yeah, I I'm mean, pretty sure it's twenty-five you know, to thirteen. It was, but, but, but what I'm getting at, Casey, was... is, is if the Force were the best team in Vegas, and it it was pretty clear because they only had one loss, and they even beat the. Uh, LA Aces, which were the the Western Division champ in 2021. So if the forces are the class of the West, really what we're saying is, is we're not trying to disrespect anybody. But when you you said your point, in which you started this conversation, that next year or a little bit sooner than Rob's timeline, which Rob, I think, was, was being the nicest he's ever been by saying in approximately five years, Vegas is getting a chip. He, he literally said it's going to be two years BIC, two years Florida, Vegas chip. And I thought that that was nice. And I think that that's emblematic of our coverage and the reaction that we get from you guys. Because the Vegas Force did show us the talent. And they were the class of the division. And what also happened is that Florida showed us their talent. And I'll let Rob continue, but that's that's okay. where we're at. That's what's what's going down. And not that we don't dislike the Vegas division or we don't, you know, give you guys as much credit as possible. And to be clear, 
that nine man team was led by a guy in Trey Robinson, who I think is the real deal and deserves praise. But the fact is, is that just like Trey Robinson was saying on your guys show last week, he wants the praise. I think Derek put it best. They didn't win the Western championship. Why did they, why did they deserve that? They feel like they need the the extra pats on the back. And then, and then I'll, I'll shut up. Cause I've talked enough. And like I said, Casey, thanks. But, um, you know, Rob, what are, what would you say to my, you know, tomfoolery here that I'm getting into? Because I, I just don't want to turn this into another Buck episode. No, I mean, you, as you can see, I didn't sigh not one time because I <laughs> agree with 85% of what you said I agree with. I Like, I think you hit the nail on the head. And that's really my main point. It's like, if if the talent level, if the peak of what Vegas has or the West Coast has is the force this part nobody's gonna like but nobody's gonna like this part and i compare the force personally to the renegades which is a, a number six seven you know number five to sixteen in the jersey division that means Bob, the, even, yeah, and you know especially i don't like that. i know you don't like that i said i said let, me, let, let me let me right. say this though let me say this though you all keep coming back to if the force is the top of the division. Okay, yes, they were the top of the division with three teams last year. This season, honestly, in my opinion, I could see a number of the other teams that are in the division come spring being the top of the division. We no longer are just a division of three teams. We're a division of eight, and all eight of our teams, the pit bosses, already have a stacked roster of 18 to 20 at least. Nice. that they're ready to roll into for the fall. They're still building on that into the spring. Uh, most of the teams, the only team that doesn't have near a full roster for the fall, I believe, is the Insomniacs. Everybody else is pretty stacked with players, and in those players, they're pretty stacked with talent as well. So, so you're not going to see I, just one okay, badass okay. Vegas Force team that demolishes the Las Vegas division like they did last season. They may still win it, but it's going to be, you know, a six and two or a five and three, and somebody below them is going to be, you know, five, you know, five and three, and the tiebreaker is going to be they lost to the force, and it's going to be, you know, a an extra point type of game. It's not going to be blowout games. So um, if we if we talk about sometimes the hierarchy of the divisions, right? And we could say that Baltimore, at least where we sit right now, it ranks pretty high up there. They've actually combined teams and, and shortened the, the, the amount of rosters they need to fill out. And what that's done is, is, is added extra talent to teams to kind of compete with BIC. And that's a, that's a division that's won a championship that has legacy guys and they're combining they're they're shortening the amount of of total roster spots so that they can get the best available talent so what you're saying is is it case is that last year the vegas fielded the three teams but now what we're going to do is spread the talent out uh, amongst eight and it's going to be higher quality teams or are you are you making the argument that the talent is is now spread out more so there's going to be a lot more infighting. Well, I think I think it's a little bit of both. Last year, there were three teams because even though they may have had 90 people interested, they couldn't field four, eight teams, whatever they were expected to field last season with what they actually had turnout that were ready to play. So they fielded the three teams they had. This year, they went out, they've done some – different combines in different areas. They've gotten players, gotten interest, and now they've actually gotten – it's not just 90 players to fill out eight teams. Like, they've got – I'm not even going to give a number because I don't know for sure the number, but I know it's more than what they – they've said it's more than what they had last season um, going into Jamboree, just interest and things like that. So the players that they have on their teams already, there's eight teams with close to 20 players each probably. So my so question my question for everybody here before we we break on this episode of the 3 on 1 podcast we talk about the amount of talent we talk about the amount of players 
Now, these could be the greatest athletes on earth, but it goes back to the conversation that started this episode. Is it great athletes or great leadership? The BIC have both. How long will it take for Vegas to catch up and be consistent? Florida, it's, you know, they're entering their third season. Vegas is entering their second. Los Angeles is entering their second. Cincinnati is entering their second season as well. When you look at the fact that the BIC have players that are majority with limited exception are coming back to the BIC to start the season unless something insane happens. You have that target. You have that team that is rejuvenated, defending their first championship in five years, but you're staring down every single team in the league, but they have that advantage. They have leadership on the field and off the field. Vegas has coaching. Vegas have leaders. But how long is it before the leaders on the field start showing that they can match the leadership and the competitiveness of the teams out here in Jersey, whether it's the BIC or the U or even the rare breed in Baltimore? If we see a second season of OG Buck and that team, they may make a deeper run than they did last year, and they were in the Final Four. Rob, Corey, Casey, whoever wants to attack this one first. Um, um, I, I mean, it's it's always a combination, like you said, of leadership and talent. And I think one point that I, we're trying to drive home here is Kenny Stansberry has done maybe the greatest job of recruiting we've seen in this entire A7 experience. I don't think any team has recruited on the level that Kenny Stansberry has recruited. And I'm talking the mix of veterans that he has because, you know, say what we want, KWAX a veteran, um, Courage is an is a, a excellent veteran, you know, to help keep those guys stable. And when and when Sterry needs a bailout and Ashanti might be getting triple team, Courage is there to take the ball for 15, 20 yards or a touchdown. So there's a lot of advantages that BSC have over a lot of other teams that is going to take guys' time because – Guys aren't dipping into the flag football pool to go get their athletes like like BIC is. And that's why with my statement, with with my point, I said Florida was next. Because though we don't know it, maybe, you know, it's not something that, you know, A7 is announcing. Mark Bagway is, might be the number one quarterback in flag football in Florida right now. That's that's not something to scoff at. And, and just to find out he came to the league, he, I don't think he understood the gravity of what A7 was. I don't think he understood how big it was. If Mark Bagway comes back with a refocus and an understanding that, oh, wait, hold on. Oh, A7 is the real deal. I can, I can kick off here. I think that's dangerous for everyone. I still don't think they'll win next year. I think they'll give BSC a run the year after. But that, that following year, I think you've got to give it to Florida. But where Vegas... I'm not I'm not even taking anything away from Vegas. I'm not saying you guys suck. I'm not saying there's no talent over there. There's a learning curve that every league, every division is gonna have to face. And and again, when um I, I tried to when we had um what's his name? Keith. When we had Keith on the show, mm-hmm. he, he he explained it very well. You guys watch it on, you know, they watched it on YouTube. They said, oh, yeah, we could take those guys. We could take them. We could take them boys. And they came out here and got smoked. Because yeah, it's talking about when, when Keith Salmon's from coming up from Baltimore. Right. And that was, that yeah. was a, coming up from Baltimore. And he, to me, if, you, if Vegas wants to understand what's really going on, go talk to them. Go talk to Keith Salmon. Because Keith Salmon has probably the greatest take I've ever heard. He said watching it and, you know, not experiencing it because they played amongst each other. When they had to come out to New Jersey and deal with these monsters who've been playing this game for 10-plus, it was a different game. And then guess what, though? They came out. We swe- Man, when I tell you we had blues in the stands screaming, nah, 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 hey, 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 goodbye during the state games in 2013-2014, listen to the timeline. That's 2013-2014, we were kicking Baltimore's ass. 2015, kicking Baltimore's ass. 2016, kicking Baltimore's ass. 2017, kicking Baltimore's yeah. ass a little bit. 
2018, it was a Baltimore versus Baltimore championship, bro. Because there's a learning curve. They got over the hump and figured out, hey, there's Baltimore-style football. There's national-style football. And once Vegas figures that out, which I, I feel like my timeline is pretty correct, I, I think they'll be able to compete at a very high level. I think they have a championship in their future. But until they figure that out, they'll just, you know, kind of got to move out the way for the other guys. You know what I'm saying? It's no shade. I believe in the Vegas division. Derek is doing a phenomenal job pushing the division. Because guess what? You guys don't feel like you're getting coverage, but Baltimore's been here longer than you guys. And I think if we were to really look at it, it's New Jersey, Vegas, then Baltimore. In Baltimore, Florida, that's that's how we talk about. And I can't even say Florida. We talk about Bagway more than way more than we talk about Florida. We talk about Mark Bagway way more than we talk about Florida. He just happens to be from there. But you guys get covered. It's just that learning curve is going to be a bit of a doozy for the new guys coming in because they don't know. They never faced the Sterry Codrington. No one has the answer for him yet either. So. And that's really my main point. That's really what I'm trying to say. Go ahead, Casey. You know, um, to my point, I would say, you know, some of these new teams that we have coming in, they are, they have continuity already. Maybe not on the A7FL side of things, but we do have some of the teams that most of the rosters are guys that have played together for five, six, seven years, whether it be in a flag league on the same team or in an eight versus eight league on the same team. So these guys already know each other and know what they can do. It's just a matter of them being able to learn the style of A7FL football. And this is why I say I think the timeline of five years for Nevada is wrong. I'll speak like to Derek's sentiment that, you know, he feels like next spring – one of the Vegas teams, one of the Nevada teams, has a chance of making the Final Four. And I feel like within a year or two of that, so year three, year four, maybe, then we're we're knocking on the door of a championship and possibly a championship year three what, or year four. I don't think it takes five. What if I told you, Casey, that we've uh, – us in New Jersey, we've run into guys like that already. We've run into guys who've been playing football since they were in diapers together and we still kick their ass. What if I told you that? You haven't ran into the – the only thing I would have to say to that is you ain't ran into the talent that's in Vegas, and that's – Well, we have run into the Pennsylvania Immortals. Corey, 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 my guy, I appreciate you. Go ahead. And, and, and Rob, when they come in, 2016? Um, damn, I want to say – Let's just say ish, right? Ish, it, it's 15, ish, 14, ish. it's one of those years. Ish, there, yeah. was a team, there was a team that ran – flag tournaments and they were the Pennsylvania Immortals and they they could fund trips around the country to Vegas and winning cash prize tournaments in flag said that and they made the proclamation and Woog's my guy and we still see Matt Riddick meet me we saw him in the championship cooking one of our guys Kels Gallimore uh, on the easiest fade touchdown I've ever seen in a championship I wish oh my god God. But the Immortals came into this league and basically said, year one, we're running the table and winning the chip. Matt, what was that year they beat the U finally in the championship after coming into the league? Maybe that, 2014? My first year, 2019. I remember calling that game with you inside that snack shed. What year, Matt? 2019. That would be their third season. How many years did it been... take them, Rob? That sounds like five to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm I'm not so, so KC, I mean, we're playing semantics with how many years. But what yeah. we're trying to say, I think, in the best way that we possibly can, and to, to shout out to the other side of the ball, all of the listeners of the three-on-one, check them out because they always have some kind of extra perspective on the league. And if you love the A7FL, you got to check my guys out on the other side of the ball. But what I keep hearing from your guys' broadcast, KC, or, or is this gripe-type feeling that it's just not fair because? And you said it. There's tons of things that are happening in Vegas that are that are going in the right direction. But when you look at the amount of teams that have won championships in the A7NFL, 
and you 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 see how short the list is on on teams that have actually climbed the mountain. One of the reasons is because that mountain top is usually guarded by an elite level team. And what Vegas is going to do in the next five years with the eight the eight uh, Vegas teams and what the Reno teams are going to add to Nevada is that we're going to find a lot of really great players in the A7FL out there for you guys. But what you see in New Jersey, you see in Baltimore, and what you're starting to see, I think, in Florida a little bit, because the Mark Winway, if he, he decides to show up that way, the Mark Winway crew is supposedly from South Florida. And as soon as they showed up into the A7FL Florida division, they changed the face of it. So all that being said, I think what will happen is naturally Vegas is going to build. But for us to start saying that, you know, guys like Trey Robinson, who's a great player, who's stats, 17 touchdowns, passing, 11 rushing, nine return touchdowns are legit. For him to be upset with the coverage is only a, a reflection on the fact that it's just too early. The thing is, is that Trey Robinson may be one of the elite level players in the A7FL, but at three and four, the Insomniacs needed to win a couple more games for that to be the talking point. Right now, the talking point is the force because they just won the games. They won it with defense. They won it with a steady quarterback that called, you know, easy. Absolutely plays, agree. Right? And they won it, and then they got the attention. What we're saying, and I think Rob says it better than me, I just say it for five minutes, is – the force were able to show the rest of Vegas that they were better. And when they got a chance to show us, they fell a little flat, just like Florida did the first time and just like California did the first time. The, the goal, the, the drive, the purpose of this offseason should not be to be heard on podcasts. There's a reason Corey Hammond is a podcast guy more than he's a championship winning quarterback, right? So let's just let's just stay in that moment and be honest about it. What this podcast is constantly saying from the lips of a guy who won it twice in Rob Fabian is that if the conversation from Vegas is about more conversation, then the actual important thing is is that you know next year there's a likely chance that someone's going to be able to show something. Whoever that is and however they're showing it, if they change what they show on the film, on the field, then the conversation will change. All the talk in the world gets you absolutely nowhere. Look at my career. And, I'm, and I and, talk and here's, forever. And here's here's my receipt, maybe. Um, you can mark this down, maybe. Um, I can guarantee you're going to see the level from Vegas maximized. You're going to see the talent from Vegas maximized. There's so many things going on beyond the A7FL that Derek Duncan is even working on to build that his whole plan is to have everything come in and be around the A7FL Nevada and the A7FL Vegas and what that division is and what it's going to be. So our talent pool isn't going just to get smaller. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're going to have – it's not going to take our guys that long to catch this game and figure out what this game is and figure out the way this game rolls to be able to be competing in champions. That's why I say year three, year four. Year three, we may compete in Year four, we may win it. I just don't – I don't see it being five years because there's so many things going on in the background that we haven't and what you got, And what you're podcast. talking about, Casey, is – and shout-outs to what Derek Duncan does over there because the infrastructure and the attention and all of the positives that go into the Vegas is, is, is the right thing. But if what you're talking about, Casey, is the main driver for Vegas and not fixing the trenches, which every single one of the teams that I saw on film – is, is so far underneath the level of what BIC was able to do on the offensive-defensive line that if if Vegas does not fix the trenches and we're worried about how the broadcast looks and, and how many guys are getting their stats, you know, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the A7FL fantasy football is going to be loaded with Vegas guys, you know, that's all great when they got – when they're playing each other. But what we're saying – is that for them to make that kind of statement in a year two or a year three, when we're talking about a BIC team that has guys that are 
three years in the league or younger, all under the age of 25, and they're relatively still new to the league and they've already figured it out. What I think I'm saying, and I, I'm not going to speak for Matt and Rob, but I think they might agree with me, is that as much as the talking and the looking and the show stuff, the show me stuff is great for the brand, when it comes to the wins on the field, Vegas has to worry about the trenches more importantly than they have to worry about microphones and spotlights. And here's what I'll say. And here's what I'll say to that. I can guarantee you that this season, every team, if you pay attention to the fall season, going into spring season next year, every team in the A7FL Nevada this season, whether they're a new team or a team that was here last year, one of the three teams that was here last year, they all have a better understanding this year of what the A7FL looks like defensively and what needs to be done defensively. All of them coaches are on that shit. I can guarantee you our defense is going to be throughout the, the the division. Our defenses are going to be 50 to 100 times better than what KC, you saw last. KC, can you guarantee me right now that you guys have the answers to stop Sterry Codgerton? Can you guarantee that? Repeat that again. Can you guarantee me that Las Vegas has the answer to stop Sterry Codgerton? Because he's he's the guy right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say that maybe not right now. They don't have that answer. But I don't think it takes them five years to find that answer. Um, yeah, Rob, I don't think anybody saying. has that I'm thinking, answer. I'm now, thinking they this? find that answer or they have that answer with the players they have. Because we do have players, a lot of our players are coming back from last season that were on those three teams. Some of them are just splitting off and they've created their own teams. They've brought in their own people that they played with, whatever it may be. Um, right. There's going to be a better understanding of what the A7FL is come year three for Vegas. That year three, they may have the answer to stop Sterry Cognington. And by year four, they should by definitely have that answer. I don't see it taking Vegas five years to win a championship unless something well I don't think Rob I don't think Rob, the right thing to say is is starry, right because what I think KC was saying is that you're looking past Vegas and looking towards Florida and and maybe that was the mistake that we're making but I would ask you the KC this in year 2 when Florida came up here they were able to look better on the field against a Baltimore team. When we see the representative from the Vegas division in the playoffs, do you think that that change from year one to two will will be similar to what we saw from Florida when year one they lost in a similar fashion the way the force did, and they came back the next year and, and lost by one point to a final four uh, perennial contender in the rare breed from Baltimore? Do you think that the Vegas division is going to make that type of leap from year one to year two? So did did Florida make the final four in year two? No, they lost in the Elite Eight by right. one here's, point here's, here's and what looked I'm better on the field because it's they going, dominated the whole game and lost on the trick play. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. Vegas is year two. Vegas is putting somebody – in the final four. Nevada is putting somebody in the final four. Derek has said it. I agree with it. I 100% I see it happening. I think even Chris agrees with it. Year two, there will be a Nevada representative in the final four, which Florida failed to do. So therefore, Vegas will look better than Florida year two. It may be on paper, but on the field, I'm Florida talking on played the field. Baltimore. If the Vegas, if the Vegas Force make the final four or the championship game, and they only play California and Ohio teams, does that look as good on paper as Florida playing the, the Baltimore team that was in the final four when it was just Jersey and Baltimore, and the final four teams were the two championship contenders, the the rare breed in the Gators, which it was once again as it is almost every year when with the the current playoff matchup. Well well, now you're getting into the speculatives. I don't honestly see it being Vegas Let's only have to go through Ohio the and West, going through the California. The West is a division that plays itself. Final four, Elite Eight doesn't matter. Let's say this. The representative from the West 
in a heads-up game against Florida, who do you think comes out in 2023 and why? I mean, that's a matchup to be seen. We haven't seen that type of matchup yet. I want to see it. Um, I think, honestly, I think the Vegas, Vegas team would come out with it just because of the talent pool we know that we have in Vegas um, and what we know we're bringing to the table. Um, you guys right. will see some of it come the fall, but I'm telling you, come spring, we're putting we're putting somebody come spring pro season, somebody from the Nevada division, because there will be four teams from Reno as well. Somebody will be going into the final four. Um, Nevada will win the Western division, Western conference, whatever that is, and go into the national playoffs, and they will win into the final four. And then the final four, they may lose by a touchdown or by a point, but they make the final four. Just make sure all of this is clipped. I, I just want receipts. When, well, I think it's fair to say they're going to make the final four if the playoff matchups have them going through the West. What wait, I think wait, wait, the question wait. is, is is which division is going to be the tougher division and which representative from the divisions? Because that's really what the rivalry has been. It's right. the guys from Florida going to Vegas and literally now on the Vegas podcast basically saying that they're going to run Vegas because they're from Florida. The Florida yeah, guys not, saying those guys are asked and that, you know, whatever. And then the Vegas guys are like, um, you know, chill out, Florida guys. We're Vegas. And I think it's fun. And and as, as everybody can tell when I'm on a podcast, I'm all about chaos and fighting and arguments. <laughs> so the more we can get to that, KC, the better. And I really appreciate you dealing with me on our, our on tonight's podcast, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, no, I love it. Absolutely. I said but final question first. 20 minutes ago. KC <laughs> says in 2023, talent pool better in Vegas and Nevada than Florida. I guess we'll see. We certainly will I absolutely see. Think so. We certainly will see. Thank you so much, Casey Cox and Derek Duncan. You can listen to them on the other side of the ball. Wherever you can hear this podcast, you'll be able to hear them as well. And be sure to like share, comment, and subscribe to the Other Side of the Ball podcast. And obviously this one. Go to tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. That's tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch to get some of the merch from the which podcast. Shirt you pick? <laughs> Big boy season. Oh, Mac gets a dub. I finally, I'm on the board, baby. But buy a Hus Hus well, t-shirt. If it was, if it was still Fat Boy Touchdown, that would be your second because Ryan Shamar said he wanted that one. But since that's not available... <laughs> Take the dub, my friend. I'm I take still it. At the big donut. Riding high. No more donuts. Ooh, I can go for a donut, actually. But we're gonna we're gonna head off here. Please go over to the merch site. Go to a7flnv.com. That's a7flnv.com for more information on the fall brawl. And as the fall brawl progresses, you may hear all of our voices during certain things that may or may not be happening. That's for Derek to announce. But on that note for Casey Cox, for Derek Duncan, for myself, Matt Ryan, for Corey Hammond and Big Rob Fabian, this is Matt Ryan saying so long. And as always, don't be an asshole. See you. I'll try. Don't you ever step on my I'll try again, Casey. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why he just tries. Oh!